Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Mark chapter 12, the gospel of Mark chapter 12. Love seeing everybody with Bibles. Man, I love it when you bring your Bible to church. I love seeing the Bibles. Everybody with a Bible, uh, see me at church, I'm going to give you $20. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody have their Bible next Sunday, wouldn't you? Mark chapter 12. Now, before I go there, I've been doing a series, hopefully you've been watching me online, on knowing the will of God. And I, I, I said in the very first message that this is not how do I find out who I'm going to marry or what school should I go to, or university, or what job should I get. It's not that, but it's, it's the, what, the thing spiritual. What is it? I'm saved. What is it that God wants from me? And so I told you that I'm preaching the big three. To me, these are the big three. Okay, everybody say the big three. I don't do that hardly ever, but I just want you to kind of get that thought in my head. You'll never forget it now, the big three. What are the big three? Well, the first one is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. First and foremost, God wants you to be like Jesus. Every day, you ought to be more like Jesus and less like you. And people, when they see you, ought to see God in you. Can the church say amen? And then the second one, which I preached last week, was, was to love God. And we talked about what that means. So today, we're going to f- talk about the third one. You know, I, you know, y'all are smart people. You probably already figure out what it is, but let's just read it. Beginning in verse 28 of chapter 12. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, together, perceiving that Jesus had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is... Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. You have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Now you can be seated. Thank you. So one day, Jesus is with a group of Pharisees. They are usually people who didn't like him very much. And a scribe approached Jesus and asked him an important question. Now, a scribe was a lawyer, but not like an attorney that we have today in the legal system here in America or in South Carolina or here in, in, in the county of Anderson, city of Anderson, but he was a lawyer in that he was an expert in the law of God. That was his specialty, the Old Testament law of God. And so he comes to Jesus and asked him, which is the first commandment of all? This man was interested in God. He was interested in the law of God. He offered sacrifices in the temple and went through the motions of worship, and he did this regularly. But evidently, at this point, he was consumed with one vital matter. What is it that God wants from me the most? What is it that God wants me to do that is foremost in his mind? And I think this is a question that you and I should concern ourselves with. 
We should be like Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, when he was on the road to Damascus and had his experience with the Lord, and Jesus speaks to him, and Paul says, who are you, Lord? And then the second question he is, is what would you have me to do? I think that's the question we should all be asking ourselves and asking the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And so to put it in a nutshell, Jesus told the scribe, what God wants the most from you is to love him and to love your neighbor. So those are the big three. Be conformed to the image of Jesus. Be like Jesus. And then love God with everything within you in every area of your life and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. So I think the first thing we need to determine is, who is my neighbor? So I've got to love my neighbor as I love myself. Who's my, who's my neighbor, Pastor Chris? Well, I'm gonna, I'll give you the answer. Your family members, they're your neighbor. Your friends, that's in the category of neighbors. Your church family members, I guess we ought to love each other, huh? It would help. Newcomers to the church, we ought to love them, shouldn't we? You don't know what to do. Let me help you again there, right? Okay. Newcomers to the church, we ought to love them. Yeah, I know you wanted to say it. You just weren't sure. All right, hold on. Your coworkers, they're your neighbors. Anybody got a coworker that's very unlovable? I see some hands coming up. The server in a restaurant, that's your neighbor. The mechanic that's working on your vehicle, that's your neighbor. Right, we're doing okay so far, but now this, one, this one's going to get you, and I'll come back to it in a minute. How about your enemy? Well, I mean, your neighbor. I mean, I hope he's not, like, really your neighbor. Like, I left that out. Your neighbors are your neighbor, right? You ever had a neighbor you didn't like? Got my hand up. You ever had a neighbor feud? I don't have my hand up, but you might. All right, so you say, well, Pastor Chris, you sure have covered the game. All right, so I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Everybody's your neighbor. Everybody is your neighbor, which means you ought to love everybody. So you don't get to pick and choose who you want to be your neighbor. God has not permitted you to categorize the lovable from the unlovable. Please get this. I've got some things that I put in red in my notes, so this is something I really want to get across to you. God has given you the capacity to exhibit love to everybody. Really, Pastor? Yes. God, because he saved... Listen, I'm going to connect dots. God, because he saved you, and because he is conforming you to the image of Jesus? Y'all with me? He's, he's, he's making you like Jesus? And because you love God, whom you have not seen, John in his little letter, 1 John says, then you better love people that you do see. But more than better should you do it, you can do it. 
You can't because you can love the God that you can't see. You have the capacity because you're like Jesus to love the people that you can't see even if they're not very favorable with you. So how do I, how do, I do this, Pastor Chris? Let's, let's just get, you know, I'm pragmatic to a fault. Ask Lisa Picardi who works for me. She will tell I am pragmatic to a fault. I want to find what works. And if things are broke, oh, it drives me nuts. I want to fix it. And then if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right? Leave it alone. Okay, so let's get pragmatic. The word love, love your neighbor as you love yourself, is that same word that says love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is the word agapeo. A lot of people heard of agape love, same, same word, that's the root of it. And that word tells us how do we love our neighbors. So here we go. And there are three because preachers love threes. So here you go. You ready? If you're taking notes, it's a good thing. Type down, write down, whatever. It means you love people unconditionally. You love people unconditionally. Not, not, well, I have to like you first. You think if I like you, then I love you. No. It's not, I have to like your personality first. You ever met somebody whose personality you don't like? I have. I've, I've seen people, I, I haven't, I've never met them before except for the first time in just like 10 seconds. I don't like you. And you're probably the most wonderful person in the world, but right now I don't like you because I don't like your personality. And so, but, but, but unconditional love says, no, I, I can't like your personality before I can love you. It's not you have to be like me in order for me to love you. You have to resemble me. You have to talk like me. You have to sound like me. You, you, have, to, you have to make me comfortable. Woo, I might, I, I might step on some toes and not even mean to. Not, you have to be from around here for me to love you. I've done God in it now. That's conditional love. Billy Joel sang a song that I guess it hasn't changed. Is my wife's favorite song? Is it still your favorite song, honey? See, she's over there singing it. I love you just the way you are. That was her favorite song. Don't go changing. Try to please me, right? How many have ever heard that song? How many have no idea what that song is? Not now, but go YouTube it later. Okay. Billy Joel, I love you just the way you are. The whole point of the song is you don't have to change. I'm going to take you just as you are and love you. That's how we are to love people, the Billy Joel way. Just the way you are. Just this week, I spoke with one of the members of our church. And if he's here, I haven't seen him, but he's maybe here. He'll, so he knows I'm going to talk about him. He's Lebanese. Okay, stay with me here. He's Lebanese. He, he married a woman who is Serbian. They come to church here. Her family comes to church here, extended family, so they're Serbian, okay? We have other people who come to church here who are also Serbian. Then we've had some people come to church here who are Ukrainian. I think we've had one or two Russians come in, all right? 
Now, they, some of them moved here from up north, from New Jersey and New York, but they're here amongst us. And they're in our midst. They come to high praises. This is their church. And some of them, not all of them, and some of them still have a Slavic accent. And so if you talk to them, you immediately know you're not from around here, are you? You can tell, all right? And so here's what this brother and I were talking about as we were talking about him and talking about this Slavic. I said, isn't it amazing how y'all came to this church here in Anderson, South Carolina? And this church has just loved and embraced y'all. And he said, absolutely, you are right. He said, y'all just loved us, embraced us, and taken us in. Are you getting it? That's unconditional love. Doesn't matter if you're not from around here. It doesn't matter if you don't sound like us. It doesn't matter if you went to high school with me or not, or I've known you because you've been an Andersonian your whole life. I'm in it now. It doesn't matter if you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, and even if you haven't been washed in the blood of Jesus, somewhere within my heart, because of Jesus, I can find the capacity to love you. I may not like the way you are, but I can love you just the way you are. That's the because God, see, Pastor, how can I do Because God loved you just the way you were. And he still loves you just the way you are right now. When you were in sin, you weren't very lovable, were you? But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And now that you're saved now, I'll tell you right now, I love you, but you ain't all that in a bag of chips yet either. Come on, you mess up, don't you? Come on, there's things about you. You still got stupid little idiosyncrasies and things that gets on your wife's nerves and your husband's nerves and your kid's nerves and your co-worker's nerves. Come on, y'all. God's still working on us, right? That's what I preached the first week. You're not what you used to be, but you're not yet what you ought to be, but at least you're becoming what you should be. But it's a process. And the thing is, God looks at you. How many of you are glad for the patient endurance of God? How many glad God puts up with you? That's what I'm preaching today. How can he do that? Because he has unconditional love for you. And he says, the love that I have for you is what I'm asking you to share and exhibit towards other people. Be my love extended. Everywhere. Y'all see now why this is one of the big three? So you love people unconditionally. That's unconditional love, regardless of the differences. All right, number two, write this down. It means you choose to love people. You choose to love people. Agape love is a love of the volition. It is a love of will. That means I I can choose not to love you. I can choose to hate you. But instead, I choose to love you. And last week, I told you that it is interesting to me how God has to command us to love him. I want you to love me. Now, love me. (laughs) That's what it seems like. Love me. But I don't think it's like this this massive, all-powerful being trying to force me to love him. I I told you last week, I think it's because when you're a sinner, you don't love God, you don't know how to love God. And then you get saved, and you're like, can I love God? Can I be close to him? I don't know. And I think God has to command us to love him. I think it's a positive thing to say, yes, love me. It's like like your kids. If you have a child that's real withdrawn and never hugs you or never, never you, you know, say, come over here and hug me. It's not because you need the hug, it's because they need the hug gum I'm preaching this morning. God, I'm just, this ain't in my notes, but I'm preaching around in the Holy Ghost. The child, you don't need it. You know the child needs to learn how to love. Come over here. 
Get your arms up. Get your, don't drop your arms. This is how you hug. Now hold on, I'm going to give it back. Is that how we are with God? So just as God has to command us to love him so that he can teach us, it's okay, you can love me. God has to command us to love other people. Why is that? It goes against the grain of sinful human nature to love people that are different from us or that we dislike. And even after I get saved, it kind of goes against just human nature to show love to somebody that I, I don't necessarily know or I don't have a re- pre-existing relationship with, et cetera, et cetera. It just goes against it. But through Jesus, I can choose to love people that I would not love if I was still in sin. Please get this. God commands me to do it because he knows I can do it. Pastor, I just I got a little Forrest Gump going. I just don't know if I can do it. Yes, you can. That's why God's commanding you to do it, because he knows you can do it. You can do it. How many of you know God will never command us to do something we cannot do? That would be torture. So if God commands me to do something, I must be able to do it. And so he, and he says, you don't know you can do it. I know you can do it. I just got to get you to realize you can do it. Love is a choice. In Matthew 5, verses 43 through 45, Jesus tells you, you ready? I don't have it on the screen. Just listen. You're to love your enemies. Aren't you all excited about that one? A lot of shouting going on in the Pentecostal church today. Love your enemy. I didn't get nothing out of that one. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Ooh. Somebody shoots you a bird, you're supposed to love them back. Come here, you need a hug. I don't think that's what it means. Do good to those who hate you. I don't want to do good to them, Pastor. I want to do, hmm. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Don't talk about them to others. Talk about them to Jesus. So a line in red in my notes. Get ready. Think about this. God has asked you to love people that you don't even like. I have to love people that I don't even like them. Some of you are going to have to go to work tomorrow. Look across the plan or the floor or the office at a coworker and go. Now they can't hear you, but in your mind you're going, I still don't like you. But dadgummit, I got to love you. I've got to figure that out how. Help me, Jesus. That's right. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Because you're going to win that person to the Lord by still not liking them every day for the next 20 years? But if you love on them, even though you don't like them, 
Who knows what might happen? See, without Jesus, you want to hate the person who attacks you. You want to hate the person who offends you. You want to hate the person who mistreats you. You want to respond negatively to them on Facebook. Post something bad about them. You want to seek revenge. You want to start a rumor on that person at work. You want to get them fired. Shoot, you just want to punch him in the nose. Boom. I feel better. Right? That's what you want to do in your flesh. That's what you want to do outside of love. Without Jesus. That's how people do without Jesus. But with Jesus and because of Jesus, you can choose to love the person who is your enemy. You can choose to bless that person. You can make a decision to do something nice for that person Even though you know they're not going to do anything for you, you can pray for them. Even though they cussed you out today, you can kill them with kindness. You know, there's a proverb that says that when you do good to your enemies, you pour hot coals of fire on their head. And I'm not sure if that's, because I kind of like that thought. Somebody does I told you, I'm still upset about that girl who pulled in in front of me and Leah at the Target parking lot when she was sitting there waiting with her signal on. This other girl come the other way and just pulled right in our parking spot. I'm still mad about it. I'm having to pray through. Now, don't y'all ever do this, but I looked at my wife. I said, if I wasn't saved, as soon as she went in Target, I'd get my key out and go, I feel so much better. She looks at me sometimes and says, you need to pray through. Y'all are holier than I am, so that's all there is to it. You kill them with kindness. And the result is the person who is your enemy, when you're nice to them, don't key their car, be nice to them. They will be moved by your kind response and oftentimes will stop being your enemy. They may even, I've seen this happen, they may even become your friend. An elder just shouted out your best friend. I bet there's a story there, Brother Harold. Come on, y'all. I know I'm having a little fun with you today because I know this is the kind of time. But y'all listen, are we saved? Are we changed? Are we different? God help us to live up to what you've changed us to be. Can we do it? You're not going to always get it right, but you can. Presently in our culture, this is really sad, you cannot agreeably disagree with someone anymore. Have you all noticed that? If you, if you disagree with someone on one particular topic that they feel so strongly about, they won't respect you they make you your, their enemy. That's where we're at now in our culture. A born-again follower of Jesus cannot and does not act like this. You can't do it. Don't, that, that's what's so, politics is wonderful. That's what's so mm, dangerous about politics is if you get so wrapped up in politics that it, that it puts a veil over your Jesus You've made politics your idol. 
If your politics is, is dictating the way, oh, Lord, this is my God. If your politics is dictating the way you act rather than the Holy Spirit inside of you, you've got a serious problem. I'm a born-again believer before I'm anything else. Heaven and earth will pass away, but I'm part of an unshakable kingdom. And I stay interested in politics. Don't get me wrong, so I'm sound like I'm neutral. I, am, I stay up with politics immensely, but I also keep a balanced approach to it because I'm a child of God before I'm anything else. And I, and I vote, and I worry about who's president, but one of these days I'm looking for a king to come. When the king comes, everything's going to be all right. Through the power of God's love in me, I can disagree with you and still love you. Through the power of God's love in me, I can hate what you do and still love you. Through the power of God's love in me, I can reject your sinful lifestyle. I can reject your sinful action, but I can still accept you as a person who has been made in the image of God, someone else that God loves just like he loved me when I was like you. See, The main issue for this scribe conversing with Jesus was the conflict of relationship versus racism. Last week I told you that it was the, 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 the conflict of relationship versus religion. But now in this point, it's relationship versus racism because the Jews of Jesus' time were extremely racist. They thought they were superior to all other races because they were, quote-unquote, the people of God. And so they looked down on, to a great degree, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, they looked down on a group called the Samaritans. They despised them who were half Gentile, half Jews. They avoided them. Listen to me. Racists. They avoided them. They called them names. They labeled them. They despised them. They mistreated them. And this displeased God. Traditional racism occurs when you think your race is superior to all other races and when you despise other races of people. The dictionary says racism is, and I quote, prejudice, discrimination, or antagonism directed against a person or people on the basis of their membership in a particular racial group. I'm just going to say in context of this service, racism is wrong. Racism is a sin. It's wrong. It's a sin. There's a man that goes to this church that was in my, on my fishing boat. And he and his wife came here and got saved. And God has gloriously changed their lives. They're some of the most faithful people in this life. God changed them. Nothing like what he was. And he started telling me his testimony and the kind of person he was. And he, he did a lot of things that were bad and wrong. Probably a little bit of redneck in him. And he said, Pastor, you know one of the things about me that, that and I, he said, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. I said, that's all right. What is it? He said, I was a racist. I said, why? He said, I don't know. He said, because everybody else around me was a racist. I couldn't even tell you why. 
He said, I get in fights with black people. He was white. He said, I get in fights with black people. And he said, I call them names. And he said, I was racist. I said, what happened? He said, I got saved. He said, I got saved. Got here high praises. Got saved coming to church. And he said, he's in that young adult, adult category. He said, I looked around him and said, Pastor Terrence is my pastor now over the young adults. He said, I can't be racist against him. He's my pastor. He said, I go to church with people like Jonathan, Johnny and Stephanie over here. Black people go to church. He said, they're my brothers and sisters. He said, I can't hate them. He said, they're my, we're family. He said, I realize, I feel the Holy Ghost on me like I hadn't felt in a while. He said, I realized I was wrong. He said, it's stupid. It's wrong. He said, I'm not racist anymore. He said, because I've realized that's, 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 not, that's a wrong way to categorize people. He said, I love people. He said, I love black people now. Because, he said, because of the change God's made in my life. Come on, if this thing's real, it is. If it ain't, it ain't, but it is. It's real. God changed them. And I'm just telling you, you have the capacity when God changes you that people you formerly dislike, you can love. Who's the guy that went to New York? Wilkerson, David Wilkerson. Y'all ought to go get a book. David Wilkerson went to New York in the 1960s. Clean-cut, skinny little preacher with a suit and a little tie. Went up there to minister to the gangs. What an idiot. That's what a lot of people said to him. You're an idiot. Not him. He had this love and compelling call to go. He goes in starts working with gang members. Nicky Cruz was the head of the Mau Mau's, leader of the Mau Mau's. And, and he would witness to them. And they never, they could, they never thought anybody could do like that. He'd walk right up to them and start telling them about Jesus. Hey, preacher, we're going to kill you. He said, that's all right. You know, I'm just here to tell you about Jesus. Oh, they never seen anybody that defiant stand and not be intimidated by them. They didn't know what to do with it. One day, Nicky Cruz looked at him, whipped out his switchblade, flipped that thing open and said, preacher, I'm going to cut you up into a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson looked right back at him and said, and if you do, every one of those pieces are going to scream, I love you, Nicky. He had never heard anybody tell him he loved, they loved him. He, he turned and ran, terrified him. You know what that crazy preacher did? He had a youth event, and he got the gang members to be the ushers. I kid you not. These are true stories. And he said, so Dickie Cruz, the head of the gang, so they got these, you know, Bucket, chicken buckets, and they're taking up the offering. They're back behind the curtain. One of the gang members said, let's go, Nikki. Let's take all the cash and run. And Nikki is now being so influenced by David Wilkerson. He says, nah. He said, what do you mean, nah? He said, nah, we're going to give the money to the preacher. He said, are you out of your mind? He said, I'm still the leader of this gang. Get all the buckets and give the money to the preacher. Nikki Cruz eventually gave his life to Jesus Christ. You know what happened? God called him to preach, and the man's preached the gospel for decades trying to tell you today there's power in love. God has not changed. Racism and discrimination are still horrible sins that displease God. In Acts 17, 26, the Apostle Paul points out, you need to know this is in the Bible, that, quote, God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. I don't care if you're Slavic, Oriental, Hispanic, Caucasian, black, you cut any of them, everybody's blood's red. Okay. But you know there are other forms of discrimination that are just as wrong? Looking down on someone who's from another part of the USA. Looking down on someone who is less educated than you. Looking down on someone who's poor. 
less fortunate than you, mistreating them. I, I know right now I'm all up in your stuff, but I'm just trying to say today, I can't, I can't handle every other church. I, I can't influence every other church, but I just, I just want to say at least here at High Praise is my prayer, my call, my clarion cry to you from the word of God with the authority of Almighty God is let's, let, let High Praise's people be the people that go out into Anderson and Williamston and Greenville and, and, and Honey Path and wherever else we go, and let's go and let's say I love everybody with the love of Jesus Christ. Love is a choice. You can decide to accept and embrace people even when they're different, even when they're unlikable. Third, write this one down. It means you serve people selflessly. You serve people selflessly. That's what agape love means. So in 1 John 3.18, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or tongue, but in deed, that's action, and truth. What John is saying is that it's not enough to say I love you, though you should say I love you. And husbands, let me just say to you, tell your wives you love them. And wives, let me say to you, tell your husbands you love them. And fathers, make sure you tell your kids you love them. And not just when they're little and it's easier, when they're teenagers and unlovable. I always said adolescence ruins a perfectly good child. I was a youth pastor, so I'm joking. But you got to tell me, when they're grown, get the camera on me. You see your dad, see your son. How you doing, son? Good to see see you, son. Oh, I can't can't stand that. My boy, I'm going to say, come here, son. Goodness. I put my boys in bear hugs. Jaron, he could break my back as big as he is. Come on, just because they get grown, come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now. I don't care how your daddy did you, you break it and change it. Well, my daddy treated me that way. Well, I'm sorry about your daddy, but that's not you love them. You touch them. You grab them. You hug them. I told you what I My boys to this day, my, my grown sons who have their own families, I told them when I got them cell phones, I don't care if you're in front of all your friends, you're going to tell me you love me when you hang up the phone. To this day, my boys will call me about anything. My young men, my, my grown men, they're still my boys. They'll call me this day. could be about the smallest thing before they hang up the phone. Love you, Dad. Bye. I mean, I brought them into this world. They ought to tell me they love me. Right? Well, me and Leah, she had something to do with it. They better tell her they love her too. Y'all know what I mean. But it's not enough just say I love you. It's imperative that you show your love, right? Because people can say I love you but then mistreat you. That's empty. That kills it. Makes it null and void. So a guy named Gary Chapman wrote a book. A lot of you have probably read this book. A lot of people have called The Five Love Languages. How many of you have ever read The Five Love Languages? see a lot of hands in this place. If not, you ought to go read the book. It's that good. And in the five love languages, Gary Chapman outlines five general ways that everybody expresses and experiences love. And here they are. It's acts of service, gift giving, physical touch, quality time, and words of affirmation. Leave that on the screen, please. And and what Gary Chapman said, and really he was writing it with couples in mind, married couples in mind. 
He said, and they do this test at the end. You can take this test. And he says, every person has one primary, sometimes two of these that are primary. And if you take the test, then it will help you to realize what your primary expression of love is, your love language. And, I, and I've read that book, and I've used it, and it's powerful. But as I was thinking about that book and this message today, I thought, you know, why not take that same thing, that same concept, and say, what is it that's natural for me? How can I show people that I love them? Take your love language and take it to people and show them that you. Now, the one about physical touch, let's save that one for marriage. And the church said, but the other four, how can I, Pastor Chris, you know, you're preaching, how can, I, how can I love people? Do something nice for them. Give them gifts. Spend quality time with them. Speak words of affirmation. So let me just get real practical as I close. Meet someone's physical need. That's how you can love somebody. Give them money if they need it. Give them your time. Did you know giving somebody your time is love? Giving them good advice, that's an act of love. Giving them wisdom, that's love. Giving them some of your resources, that's love. Giving them an opportunity. Maybe, maybe you could employ them at your work or whatever. Whatever. The point is, that's love. Meet someone's physical need. Now, meet someone's emotional need. Pastor Chris, how do I do that? Encourage them in an effort that they are undertaking. So somebody started a business or somebody started a new hobby or somebody says, I'm going back to school. Let, let, me, let me just address something. Every culture in America would do better is if when our one generation, younger generation says, I know none of you went to college or none of you did this, but I feel like doing this. Every culture in America would benefit if the older generation would say, you go for it, son. You go for it, daughter, and you be the first one in this family to do it. Rather than to knock them down and put them down because you're insecure and you want to you destroy their dream because you never had one. Every culture, black, white, Latino, all of the cultures, we'd all do better. If we would say, I'm going to encourage you, go do 20 times better than what I did. I didn't have the opportunities you have, but you got to go for it. Go for it. It is amazing the power of encouragement. Comfort somebody when they're grieving. Sometimes it's just presence. Sometimes it's just saying, I'm so sorry. That's all you have to say. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. You don't have to say a lot. Compliment somebody when they do well at something. I have the most fun when I go play with men from the church. And I, and I know people that are really, really competitive. It's all about them. And I, I don't play, I don't really know anybody in this church that's like that. But I love when we play with guys at our church. You know, there are guys that are better and some they are not so good. And, but, but, man, I love if I hit a really good shot and somebody with me says, that's a really good drive, Pastor. That makes me feel good. And then when they hit a good shot, I'll say, man, what an awesome shot. That was, a, that was an awesome shot. And they sink a putt for 20 feet. Like, what a putt. Woo, way to go, Tiger Woods. You know, you just start calling. You know, so well, that's just stuff you do. And you're, no, 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 no. You say, doesn't anybody do that? No. You play a whole round of golf with a guy. He'll never compliment you one time. There are people like that because it's all about them. Because they love themselves. 
but they haven't figured out how to transfer the to love their neighbor as they love themselves. So, so you compliment. It's just amazing. When you compliment people, when you build them up, it's called edifying. Do you all know that's in the Bible? Build them up. There's power in the tongue. Build them up. That's how you see. But is that love? That's love. Meet someone's social need. Listen to me. Be a friend to somebody that doesn't have a friend. Spend time with a lonely person. That's love. Invite somebody to sit with you at church. Don't just invite them to church. Meet them at the door and have them sit with you. Is that love, Pastor? That's love. Introduce people to other people. That's love. Make people feel like they belong. How many people feel like they don't belong? Like millions. This COVID has isolated us from one another. And, 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 and people are wearing masks in here. I'm all for you. So don't let me preach, but I'm all for you, okay? You know that. That, that, should, be an unru- that, that should be settled by now. Pastor Chris is for masks, so he's not talking about. But we've got a society where everybody's wearing masks. We can't even see each other. Now, I'm not getting into masks, not masks. Don't pull me into that. I'm preaching Jesus. Leave me alone. I make a spiritual point. My point is, because of COVID, a lot of people wear masks. We can't even see each other's faces. God created us to be social people. If we weren't, there would have just been Adam in the garden. But it is not good for man that he should be alone. It's not good to be isolated. So, We need each other. Socially, we need each other. And when we're around each other, some of us have got to build up people because there are people that have been isolated, people who feel like they don't belong, feel like they're not part. They're just, y'all know that among teenagers, the suicide rate shot up during COVID? Because teenagers are what? They're social creatures. And the church, oh, that's so broad. You, you, you're the church, aren't you? You have a power inside of you, a power. That you can just see somebody in your neighborhood at work, somebody in a store. You have the power, as the Holy Spirit says, go over there and talk to them. And you follow the leading of the Holy Ghost and you begin to talk to them and you're able to encourage them and build them up. Somebody at church, make them feel welcome. Somebody, somebody in your neighborhood, nobody talks to. Make we have this, y'all. We just got a power. We don't. It, it's a superpower. You're, you're not a superhero, but you got a superpower. I considered actually considered using this last point. This is a long, probably one of the longest sermons I'm going to preach in a long, long time. So y'all hang with me. I forgot I got one more point. I actually considered using this last point as, as sermon number four. In the will of God. I, want, I was actually going to preach the big four. But I, I'm going to preach the big three. And I'm going to put number four with number three. And that's the golden rule. In Matthew seven twelve, Jesus said, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. How, how would, how, Mr. Scribe, do you think you can keep all those Old Testament? How can you keep the moral law of God? Love God, love your neighbors, you love yourself, and just treat people the way you want to be treated. 
If you'll treat people the way you want to be treated, you can keep everything in the Old Testament law. And you can treat, you can keep everything in what, what's in the New Testament. I'm convinced the golden rule is the will of God for you. So here's my, here's my line in red. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Amen? Y'all still with me? You already thinking about restaurant? Hold on. It's too early. Treat people the way you want to be treated. Everybody say, treat people the way you want to be treated. I don't, I don't normally do this stuff, but I, mean, I just today, for some reason, I feel compelled to, to make you repeat. I don't I hardly ever do the repeat thing. So what does that mean, Pastor Chris? If you want people to be nice to you, yeah, go ahead and finish it. Be nice to them. If you want people to treat you with respect, show them respect. You got to show respect to get respect. If you want to be a recipient of good things, be a giver of give, and it shall be given unto you. Wait a minute. Hold on. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will God give into your bosom? Is that what the Bible says? No. Elders preaching. What is it, elder? Will men give into your bosom? Your lap. We had those folds in the roads. Put so much grain in there that the thing's sinking down here and it's running over. You're walking around town. Taking the groceries home. They had those long robes in Jesus' day. Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaped together. If you want, if you want to receive good things, if, you, if you're if you're a if you're a miser, you, you you want everybody to give to you, but you won't ever let go to somebody else. It's not going to happen. I got one more. If you want to be shown mercy and grace when you mess up, what do you need to do? That's right. Show them mercy. Give them some grace when they do wrong. Treat other people the way you want to be treated. Years ago, this is a true story. I heard the story of two teenage boys who were freshmen in high school. They rode the same bus, lived in the same neighborhood, but did not know each other. One boy had his arms full of books. He didn't have a book bag. And he's getting off the bus, and as he steps out on the sidewalk, he trips, and every one of his books falls on the sidewalk. When it happened, instead of reaching down immediately and getting it, he just stood there and did this. Just stood there like. The other boy getting off the bus in his neighborhood sees him there. He's a Christian, true Christian. Jesus had saved that young man. He was living for Jesus. And went over and said, here, let me help you. And he got down and he started picking up the young man's books. The other, the other young boy got down and, helped, got, and got his books, and he said, here, here you go. The young man looked at him and said, my name's, and he named him, and the other boy said, well, my name's, and he said, you live here? He said, yeah, I live here too. I said, we, get, we ride the bus together. He said, he, and, the, and the boy who dropped his book said, would you like to go to my house and hang out, play video games? And 
This young man said, sure. She went, why not? So they, they walked up, instead of him going home, they went to his house and they hung out and ate potato chips and played video games and hung out. And then a boy went home and they sort of be, became friends, not close friends, but, but at least they knew each other now. Every day got on the bus. Four years pass, it's graduation. They're both standing in line for graduation from high school. True story. And the boy, the first boy, looks at his friend in the neighborhood, the Christian young man, and he says, I want to say something to you because we'll probably never see each other again as we go our ways. He said, do you remember four years ago when I dropped my books and you picked them up? And to be honest, the Christian boy, he had forgotten all about it. He said, I don't remember. He said, no. He said, we were on the bus. We got off the bus. I dropped them, and you picked We went to my house, and then the kids he said, now that you said, I remember, I forgot all about that. He said, I didn't. He said, that day was the worst day of my life. He said, I was doing bad in school. I didn't have any friends. My parents had just told me they were getting a divorce. He said, everything in my life was going wrong. And he said, my girlfriend, and it sounds like he made it up. It's not. And he said, my girlfriend had just broke up with me. He said, I got off that bus that day, and I made up my mind I was going to kill myself. I had already written the suicide note. I was going to the house, and I was going to take my life and end it because I couldn't see any reason to live. And he said, of all the things, he said, I get off that bus, and he said, I drop all my books. And he said, that's why I stood there with my head down, like, how can this day get any worse? He said, then you came over and picked my books up and came to the house and hung out with me and just spent that time. And he said, when you did, I don't know, but there was just something about you being there for me and with me, and you didn't even realize what you were doing. He said, I, I balled up the suicide note, and I threw it away, and I made a decision I was going to keep on living. And he said, I know you had no idea what was happening, but he said, I just thought I'd tell you. He said, because that day, when you picked up my books, you picked me up. That's what he told him. He said, you didn't know what was happening, but he said, when you picked up my books, he said, you picked me up. And he said, I just want to tell you thank you. Y'all, there's a power in love that sometimes we don't even know how, how God is using us. You know, we preachers are bad to say, but I don't know about you, but I think I do know about you. I think I do know about you because I think you're like me. I want to be that. That's who I want to be. I want to be that. I want my life. When I stand before Jesus in heaven, I want to get about five million stories about times when I did stuff for people and didn't really think that much about it and didn't realize the impact that it was having. How about you? If that's the way you feel, stand with me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.